When I got that award that night, I came home and I remember I was crying in my room that night because I couldn't be myself and I couldn't show them the true authentic Josh. And I was ready to give it up just to find my happiness. Welcome back to the Maria the Till show. I am Maria the Till and I am absolutely buzzing today. I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. I'll just say it because I am literally in the best vibe ever. And listen up. I know you're all joining this episode. If you listened to the last one, yes, I said I might be talking about sexuality and going into that. And believe me, I will. However, I ended up having the most incredible chat with someone I consider to be one of the brightest lights in, you know, the media at the moment and someone who was trailblazing so much that I thought, no, I want that conversation to go out next. That's what I want to give to you. And so this episode is my first ever guest interview and it's with someone who is changing the sporting landscape and encouraging people everywhere to celebrate their differences. And I am talking about none other than Josh Cavallo. And so I met Josh earlier this year and when we met, we just connected instantly. And what I was drawn to was we have similar values. We just had a laugh and honestly, it was his warmth and I completely kind of lost sight of the fact that he's actually a pretty big deal. He is the world's first openly gay male football player in top flight football. And for him to do that and come out and and sort of be that representation and pioneer that in sport, it's not been easy. But Josh is someone who lives his truth very fearlessly. And in doing so, he authentically inspires other people to do the same. And so without further ado... I want you to experience him the way that I did. And this is my chat with Josh. So, Joshy, how are you, my beautiful human? <laughs> I am vibing. We just got announced on RuPaul Drag Race down under season. Guest Life's judge good. vibes. Um, we are absolutely on an amazing journey at the moment. And I'm just absorbing it in like a sponge um, and enjoying my best life. And I can't believe it's been six months since we first met at the Australian Open. It was crazy, wasn't it? It was kind of just like an energy thing because we didn't know each other and I kind of rolled in and we kind of got eye contact and I was like, hey, babe, you're like, hey, babe. And then it was just like within 30 seconds, I've known you for about 30 years and (laughs) it sounds like we're long lost family and it it was just period. Look, we're in two different industries and... Our lives are so similar and what we've experienced growing up and our hardship has made us into the two people we are today. And it was just a sign of relief to be able to come to you and just connect and to share our stories together. And like, I remember how emotional I got when you were telling me a little bit about your story. And then I was like, wow, like we need to like connect, like we are the same people in just two different worlds here. So it was just really nice and i don't know i I believe it was the right time like i I don't know how we met or how this happened what were the chances pretty low but it was a really incredible moment for me i love that and you know what i what you said about energy like i'm so that person where i really think you never meet people by chance and it's never a coincidence like you meet people at the right time on time for a purpose and when we met it was like 
I guess, we, yes, like you said, we've had different, you know, experiences, different journeys and things like that. But at the point that we had met, we had so much to share and so quickly it just like it made sense. And I feel like with you, like I'd known of you and I knew of everything you did and all you've achieved. But what I loved was beyond all the material wins and successes. It was like, oh, I got to experience Josh and Josh's energy and who Josh oh, is. That's as a really sweet. Do you know what I mean, though? Because you would get that in your industry and like. People know you as Josh, you know, the the footballer who's done all these things. You're an, you know, LGBTQIA plus spokesperson. People know that. But I got to experience you and the depth to you and the warmth. And we were just talking about family and other things. And so I want to go into all of that because I think people <laughs> see all of this about you. But once upon a time, you were a little boy, 11 years old, Brighton Soccer Club. That's yes. right. And like, period. Period. You're in Brighton Soccer Club. You were doing your thing. And like I said, energy thing. We have similar values. I want to know what your childhood was like. Like, were you raised in a big family? Did you have lots of people around you? Were you playing sport all the time? Like, what was it like for you? So, to start off, I was not intending to be a soccer player. I love tennis. So my first sport was tennis and I absolutely adored it. I was the biggest fan of tennis, still am to today. So I only picked up a football when my brother was playing in the backyard with my cousin. They were making fun out of me because I was hitting a tennis ball against the wall and they were playing <laughs> soccer and I got jealous. So I put the tennis racket down, picked up the soccer ball and never dropped it down since. But soccer wasn't an industry where I thought I would have a future in it was just something I was purely doing for fun but tennis I took very seriously and I was great at tennis I was better at tennis than what I was at soccer so um, I really enjoyed it and at the time I was about 10 11 years old and I was playing in about under the under 17s grade so I was doing really really well for my age and I would have had if I worked as hard as I did in football in tennis I think I would have had a decent career in tennis but look Life, it takes me to amazing places and it took me to football and it's been the best thing that's happened to my life and it allowed me to do what I did today and to know that, you know, I was the first footballer to come out and be myself and be my true authentic self and announce myself as gay and not be ashamed of it and couldn't care less about any hate that gets thrown my way. Um, it's definitely all been worth it and there hasn't been one single regret or that's come my way that I've said, oh, I should not have done it or I should have done it like this, you know. At this age, what, I'm 23 now. I've got so much more to learn and ahead of me. I don't care. I just want to pave the way for the future and the people that are in front of me as well and just keep going, 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 just like what you're doing in your industry. I love that, darling. And can I just say, I love how you you said, I wanted to play tennis, but I just got jealous. So I decided to pick up <laughs> soccer next minute. On like a world elite level, you end up playing. When I tried to make my siblings jealous about things, it didn't end up. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. But, you know, I grew up with like a lot of family too. And I think that's really, it's so beautiful when you've got lots of kids around you to nurture that and, and sort of figure out what you like and what you don't. Did you talk about... Like you said, you didn't know that soccer was something that you wanted and it's not something you saw for yourself. Did you talk about tennis then as an aspiration with your family? Like, did you ever talk about that stuff or you just went with it? So my brother was a diehard football fan and I hated football. I didn't like football. I didn't like watching it. I didn't like, I hated it. So I was like, tennis, 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 tennis. My mum played tennis when she was younger. So I was like, yep, that's what I'm doing. And then it came a time, obviously, when I started 
just playing football for fun. And it got pretty serious on both levels of tennis and soccer. So I kind of said, oh, I'll continue soccer. And then when I was 16 years old, so about five years later, four years later, I was approached with my first professional contract. And that was not planned. That came out of nowhere. I had no intention of like trying to make it as a professional footballer. It kind of happened. And in my family, my brother's the one that's supposed to make it. He knows every player. He knows everything about football. He'll go to bed with a soccer ball in his room. Like he'll be hugging a soccer ball more than his girlfriend. Like it's just <laughs> he loves it. And like and to see like what's happened today and, and, and that I've become a professional footballer in this space. It's just it's been an amazing journey. It's not something that I planned, but I absolutely love and adore it. And now obviously my love is football, but it wasn't originally so it's an interesting story how i came across a soccer ball and also like you know you i i can imagine it just must be so surreal and amazing for your family to watch that like especially when you know you didn't necessarily set out to it and i'm someone who genuinely believes in you can't wed yourself to plans so strongly that you ignore those gut feelings and that whisper when you're being called to something. And it's like with purpose and intention, if you just sort of trust that gut feeling and take one step at a time, it'll lead you to where you need to be. Is that what happened then? Do you feel like there was ever a time where on your journey maybe, because I feel like for listeners who are listening to your story, they might think it sounds like, oh, well, you know, you were really good and, you know, how lucky that you didn't, set out to end up in this career, but you did. But I know that it's not luck that got you there because from what I know, no, it's not. And it's like, it's not just like, oh, I ended up here and and then this ended up happening for me. Like from what I read, before you got your A-League contract, things were really, really tough and it was your coach who encouraged you to go out and trial, right? So before all of this happened for you, because I know it's not luck and I know you work hard and it's taken tenacity and courage and resilience, what was your life like if you're comfortable sharing, you know, right before you had that that moment where you took a risk and you trialed? Definitely. Look, I think in the space of my football career, it's still very early, but I was worked really hard to get a contract at 16. And when, once I got a contract at 16, I never saw a game time. Like I never played. I was always a training player. I was wasn't selected to play, had many, many, many setbacks. And it's just been an absolute wild roller coaster because in the meantime, I was playing for Australia, you know, your nation. So it was just like at such highs and all the time when you had some lows as well. So it's it's definitely not luck. Um, there is countless, countless, countless of sleepless nights and that I was working in the gym, working on the football field. Like it, it was absolutely exhausting and still is to this day like I'm absolutely buggered we had a massive training session today like it's not all (laughs) glam with football unfortunately but look in my journey when I was 19 years old I was still playing in a Melbourne team so that's where I got my first contract and the coach sat me down and said Josh I actually don't think you're good enough to be a professional footballer I don't see you playing um, professional football in my team and at the time as I said I was playing for Australia And it was kind of a shock to me because I've been working so hard for a dream, like dropped out of school, um, had to do it online. Um, I sacrificed my whole life, dedicated my whole life, moved houses. Like I had not much money to my name either. So I was just scraping the ball at such a young age and I dedicated everything to be a football player. 
And to be told that by someone, it kind of like was a massive slap in the face. And I didn't have a club to go to. And that was in Melbourne. And at the time, as I said, I was representing my country. And my coach for my country went to Adelaide. And he said, Josh, why don't you come down and trial for me? And I, I was at a really low point in my life. It was a very dark time like to get out of. And it was just, it was horrible. I don't want anyone to go through that experience. You know, you dedicate something, your passion, whether that's football, whether that's an office job, or it's like getting sacked. I got sacked mm. from a job and it was a massive setback for me. And I had this little opportunity to go and trial for three days at a football club or a town that I've never visited before and had no idea about. So I jumped in my car, drove eight hours and, I remember looking at my bank account and it was like less than a hundred dollars. Like I just had money to get for like petrol. And when I mean petrol, like filling it up $5, like not nothing. So I got in Adelaide and I was trialing. And at the same time, I wanted to give such an impressive, like first impression and do really well and like secure a contract. And for that three days, I think it was for the first seven to nine days. I think it was about eight days. I was living in my car. Like I had no, like I was using the showers at the club and I was just driving away around the corner and sleeping in my car because I didn't want the boys in the place to see that I was, you know, didn't have a home or didn't have a place to go. And it was just a really difficult time for myself too, because I found myself questioning with my sexuality as well. So I was going through a lot in my personal life. Also in my professional career, it wasn't happening for me. I couldn't crack it with football I had a coach that said to me he wasn't good enough to even play football so it was just it wasn't happening for me anyway after the first trial the first day of the trial the coach was pretty impressed with me and he already kind of knew me because he coached me for Australia so we had a discussion of me staying and I ended up signing a contract after two days there and that did set me up and give me a little bit of money to go get a house and rent in a place and it was really my lifeline that I needed and I knew it was time to knuckle down, head down. And, you know, I can came halfway through that season and I finished off that season, ended up getting the best player of the season. So it was an amazing roller coaster of highs and lows, but it's definitely taught me to be the person I am today and has definitely taught me vulnerable lessons. Doesn't matter if, and I mentioned, I remember telling you this when I met you for the first time, it doesn't matter if you've got one follower, or 100 million followers or $1 or 1 billion I'll treat you how I want to be treated. And it doesn't matter what you have or what I have or what materials you've got. It's how you interact with the person. I am no different to you. You are no different to me. And that's how I've gone through my whole life and this whole experience of me through my footballing journey and through my coming out journey and being able to help people in the LGBTQIA plus community in being themselves and being comfortable and opening up and and connecting with me and, and telling me about their journeys. I don't know if you can see because you said at the start of this call I was a bit pixelated but my eyes are watering because um, what you just said, yeah, I do remember you saying that to me. I remember you saying that you aren't somebody who gets, you're, not, you're disillusioned by all the material stuff and you don't care about that. You treat people like people and that's why you and I vibed so much and I saw that about you and I love your heart. But when you were talking about this, I feel like so many people are going to listen to that and relate to it because they don't have to be aspiring to be a professional football player. They don't have to know anything, but so many people know the desperation of not having a dollar in your bank account or knowing what it is to be able to just be able to afford petrol or not knowing where you're going to sleep that night. And 
my family lost their family home when I was 23 and I would show up to work, different experience. But it's like I know what it is to – you don't want people to know but you just have to keep thinking of – there's a bigger picture and I've got to keep striving and find that lifeline in some way. So I feel like for anyone who's listening, you don't have to <laughs> walk Josh's path or understand his life as a professional footballer, but you can probably relate to, you know, you said that low point and where you felt like everything that you had worked for was taken from you. You had nothing to fall back on. And so what mentally were you telling yourself in that moment before your coach said to you okay you know come and trial for me like what was giving you hope in that moment because it would have felt so dark can i tell you yeah of course you know the movie nemo like yes yes okay you know what can we go what dory and it's the clip of him saying just keep swimming just keep (laughs) swimming just i swear to god like when I am in the lowest of lows in my point of life, whether that's financial status or being homeless or not having money or things aren't going right in football or family's not going great, like that is the motto that I go back to. It's yeah. just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Because in life, you know, it's not all like this. Sometimes on social media, people paint pictures that are, oh, they're living the best life. Oh my God, look at their life. They got this, they got that. They got that amazing house, blah, blah, blah. But it's true in life, you have your ups and you have your downs. So when you're at your downs, this is something that I used and a technique that I use because I didn't like therapists. I didn't like talking to people and opening up. And especially in my period that I wasn't out, I didn't trust a therapist to do that. So mm-hmm. I was having these conversations in my head and something that kept me going was that and it was like just keep swimming just keep swimming it was a cute little clip of like dory like swimming in the middle of a massive ocean not knowing where to go and that's how i felt in that situation and look i could have given up in life like people can give up but there's there's nothing better than you know bouncing back and if you said to me five years ago i'd be sitting in this position I would laugh in your face. There is zero chance that I think I would be sitting in this position. But it's those times and those hardships that myself and yourself have been through in your own experiences that create us to be the people we are today. Because when you're at the top of your game or when you people look up to you, that's when your real character comes out. The real Josh comes out, you know. They see the real characteristics of how you are. I, no matter how big or whatever happens in my life, whether it is successful or unsuccessful, I will always be the exact same person. So I love that about you. And you know what you said about the just keep swimming? That is so cute. And I know exactly what you're talking about. But also importantly, for anyone who's listening, that is how you handle being in a situation where your whole world maybe implodes or things just change. It's like, All you have to do is just put one foot in front of the other and you don't have to try and fix things or figure out the next 10 steps. But it's like just get through the next moment and the next moment and the next moment because I'm sure you had no freaking idea, like you said, you'd be in this position. And I had that exact – I related so hard to you when you said that because, yeah, we come from different worlds. But, Josh, I remember three years ago I had gone through a a breakup of, you know, a five-year relationship ended – I was closeted and super confused myself. Like I had yet to come out and figure that out. I had like five figures in debt and I moved back to my parents' home. And if you told me three years from now I'd be here doing this, 
I had no idea, but I just had to keep swimming in every single moment. So I pulled a Dory and a Josh and I feel like <laughs> I, I ended up like, you know, you figure it out. And I'm, I'm so proud of you. And so you then end up in this position where you managed to get that contract and you won the, the best in season. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, best yeah. In, yeah, so you like that would have been a massive turning point. But I've read that you said, you know, as well, you were just figuring out your sexuality. And is that something that, because I know everybody's different, right? And I know like my experience is different to my brothers, to the next person. And sexuality is so personal. It's so fluid. Had you only just started to question it in your late adulthood? Is it something you always knew? Like what was your experience? Yeah, so I knew from about 16 about my sexuality, but in developing that for myself and developing that in the world of I, that I wanted to continue my career was two different things. So it was a massive war that I was battling in my head of my happiness. And at some point at the end of the season with Adelaide, when I got that award, my happiness like wasn't there and football was here, but my happiness was here. And it came to a point where it's like, you know what, I can actually give up football because I just want to be happy. I'll go work in Woolworths and Coles and I know that I can put my head on the bed at mm -hmm. the end of the night and sleep and be happy. I couldn't care less about the industry that I was in. So that's the attitude I had going forward. And I said, you know what? I have to change. When I got that award that night, I came home and I live by myself here in Adelaide. So at the time I was living by myself. My parents weren't there to celebrate with me. My brother wasn't there to celebrate with me. Unfortunately, they live in Melbourne, so it was a bit difficult. I remember coming home and everyone was so happy for me. My family, my teammates, my coaches. You spend 24 hours of the day with these guys. Like They become your family, right? Mm -hmm. And they were so happy for me to get this award. And I remember I was crying in my room that night because I couldn't be myself and I couldn't show them the true authentic Josh when I was getting an award and I couldn't be myself around them. I had to act fake. I had to act happy when I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. So that was a turning point to me. And I said, this has to change. Whether I come out and I will do it in football, I do it in football. If not, I'm just going to come out and just be Josh. I couldn't care less. So the next preseason, I came back and I walked into the coach's room and I said, boss, I need to talk to you. And he said, Josh, sit down, sit down. So I sat down. He's like, uh, what's wrong? And I was like, uh, there's a personal issue that I want, I want to bring up with you. And he's like, well, you're not going back to Melbourne. Do you need to see like a therapist or something? Like, are you missing home? Are you homesick? And I was like, no, 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 it's not that. It's not that. It's not that. And then I said, oh, like, I'm going to be coming out as like my true self as Josh Cavallo that's gay. And he kind of looked at me. Is that it? And I was like, what do you mean? Is that it? And he's like, I don't care. I don't care if you like boys. I don't care if you like girls. I I, you just do you. You just be happy, Josh. And when I heard that, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is something that I've been hiding for so long. I'm telling my professional industry who I am. And they turn around and have that reaction. And his name was Ross Aloisi at the time. And I remember I walked out of the coach's room and I uh, felt like I had like 30 kilos off my shoulders. I was like, someone who's in the football world, this is crazy. Like... And then he's like, oh, how do you want to go by this? Do you want to tell them yourself? Do you want us to tell them and the team? And I was like, oh, I'll tell the team tomorrow. So the next day I came in and we had an announcement. And I remember I was really, really, really nervous. 
in the meanwhile, we had a training session yesterday and I had the best session of my life. And that was just the coach knowing who I was as a person. Wow. So I was like, can you imagine when I tell the team or tell the rest of the world or, or go? And, and so I was really excited about that. And I came in the change room and I made the announcement. And these men that smelly, <laughs> muscly, like we've just had a session, like everyone, like they just proper like football boys masculine boys and i remember saying guys i'm coming out who i am like i'm gay and all of them had tears in their eyes and i was like this is an absolutely like incredible moment they all gave me a hug pat on the back and said josh we're just so disappointed you couldn't tell us earlier yourself like now we realize why you didn't want to hang out with us now we realize why you avoided conversations with us we just thought you didn't like us and it wasn't the fact that i didn't like him it was just that when I was playing a game and we're having a drink break and they're asking me about the girl I'm dating or the girl I'm seeing, I'm trying to focus on football. But then when I'm about to kick a ball, I'm thinking about the conversation I'm going to have at drink break with them. And it was just an ongoing disaster. So I would avoid my situations with them where I would hang out and, and go for dinners and and they would see that as a negative thing of me not liking them. And that wasn't mm. the case. It was just me trying to cover my tracks. Yeah. So. The growth that I've had from that and my teammates has just absolutely been incredible. And it's so nice to see the positive reaction every single one of them have had and it hasn't bothered them one bit. And the best thing about after this announcement, within 20 seconds, we're talking about football again. They couldn't care less. Yeah. So I remember walking out of that change room and I pressed post. Really? And I posted that video. And when I posted that video, and then it was just like my life changed from there. Like I was just the happiest person and it was just, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was great. It's the craziest thing because you hear that and you're like, yes, like absolutely. That's how it should be. But I really resonate with that feeling of worrying about, oh my God, what is the world going to say? What are the people I love or care about or work with or whatever? What are they going to say? How are they going to think about me? And it's crazy that when you were speaking about this, you, you said you were sort of mentally at war with yourself and it's like, you felt like, you had to choose between being happy and successful and being Josh as if those things don't deserve to coexist. And there are still so many people from our community who deal with that and still feel like who I am is potentially going to cost me the job of my dreams. Who I am is going to cost me my happiness, my mental health. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that despite that, you decided to be true to yourself because at the end of the day, that's most important. And any space that doesn't accept that or any people that don't accept that, they need to change or they don't deserve you. They just don't. And I'm so glad your experience was exactly that. But you must have had so much anxiety. And it reminds me of so the way I came out was on national TV and it was not planned. <laughs> and I remember the night before, like I had, I went away, I did a reality show and it just sort of happened. And I had time to think about whether I wanted them to cut it or not. And then the night before the episode aired, four months later, I had that feeling of anxiety and regret. And I was on the phone to my brother, who's also gay. Oh my God. And I was like, what do I do? Like, I'm, I'm so scared of what the public are going to say. Mum and dad, how are they going to go when everybody knows? What are all my clients and my brand partners going to say? Like, I really resonate with that feeling right yeah definitely it it was as hard as I've worked to fight my way back into being a professional footballer I was ready to give it up just to find my happiness and I couldn't care less 
about what people think about me in football. And to know that I was the first ever in history in 2021 is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And to see now how progressed we are, having pride rounds, everyone embracing their sexuality or their differences is absolutely phenomenal. And it's just something that I'm just really grateful that I could lead the way in that path in the way of football and show that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a certain way to play a sport and to see all the stories of people that have reached out and, you know, when you're at Woolworths or when you're at a cafe and someone stops you and has a heartful conversation, tells you about their experience and they're coming out and your influence on their life and coming out is absolutely like breathtaking. And I know you experience this to a level for yourself as well, but it's all great to see big companies and big sponsorships and big brands and famous people reach out and connect with you. But the most important thing for me is to see those everyday people and those little kids that come running up to me. I had one last night actually at a soccer game come up to me and he said, I came out to my family because I watched your story and I really liked it. I wanted to do it too. And this kid's like seven years old. And I'm like, oh my God, it is the cutest thing I've ever seen. And just to see that I can do that. And kids are so like, accepting of it now yeah. and they think it's like it's it's not something they they look and see as a disadvantage they almost see it like a superpower it's honestly heart touching and to see that i had an influence in that um it definitely takes my breath away and it just see it's only been uh, nearly two years now of me coming out so i'm so excited to see what the future holds but you know what it, it's exactly so that speaks to the importance of visibility and representation but it actually blows my mind that you were the first and that's only two years ago like it blows my mind and there's a stat that I read and it was actually the CEO of Pride Cup who I'm sure you would know and he said 75% of LGBTQIA plus people feel an openly gay spectator wouldn't feel safe at a sporting event and that's because of stats like this you know experiences like this where in sport now it's progressing because of people like yourself, you know, and there's now debate at the moment when it comes to transgender participation in sport and things like that. And it's showing people that sport is for everyone. But the fact that you don't have representation of people of all gender identities, all sexual identities, well, no wonder people feel like they don't feel safe. They don't see themselves. Yeah, it, it was absolutely crazy. And I remember after coming out, I brought this idea to the club of having a Pride game. And that's when we linked up with Pride Cup and we had our first ever Pride game at Adelaide United and ended up being a sellout. And it's one of the most popular games Adelaide United have played. And I remember walking into the stadium and seeing two girls hold hands, two guys hold hands, like kids with rainbow, like stickies on their foreheads and like the um, face paintings and everyone embraced it and the whole stadium. It's on my Instagram. I've got photos of it. It was covered in rainbows. And that's one of the most favorite games that my team has played in. And we still get brought up in the change room today of how cool and how fun that was. So it's ended up turning into like a, a yearly thing that we do. So just to see the impact it's had and the community get around it. You know, there were shops in Adelaide that were celebrating the Pride game and and my coming out too. So it was absolutely touching to see the support and love I got from the town in Adelaide. It was absolutely beautiful. So there are little steps that we're doing that can allow the little Josh when he's younger to feel comfortable to pick up a ball and say, actually, yeah, I want to play soccer. Not, oh, that's not a sport for me. I have to go somewhere where I feel like I fit in. No, 
you can do what you want in life. And that's something that I've paid the way. And that's one of the tattoos I've got on my ribs is a lion never surrenders over the opinion of sheep. Oh, so that. don't be afraid to walk your own path. Yes. You live the life how you want to live. I love that. And you know what? It, and again, it's because people like you are showing the world and it's not just Adelaide. I love that. You know, yes, it's so beautiful. It's your home city. It's celebrating you, but the world celebrated you, Josh, and rightfully so because you did something that hadn't happened and you celebrated yourself and you and you owned and accepted parts of yourself that the world has tried to tell you to reject and that has tried to tell you that it doesn't belong in sport, but you owned and celebrated Still to this that. day, I exactly. do get that feedback. <laughs> and so, so then, you know, with everything you've done and with all the love, the thing is you, you know, you were grappling with your own sexuality and you got to a point where you couldn't live that facade anymore. So you owned it and you celebrated and you came out. And for many people, like for anyone, that can be a daunting experience, right? But you did it under a very public, global, you know, microscope. And so I can only, you know, imagine like the pressure being the first, people watching, people having an opinion. You're trying to navigate being openly, you know, yourself in this space. Did you get a lot of trolling? Did you get a lot of negativity? And how do you navigate it? I get a lot of negativity. Negativity, I'm not going to hide like I don't get it. I get a lot and I still get it to this day. I would say sad reality is over 200 DMs a day of negative feedback. Unfortunately, in football is the most popular sport around the world. So there's countries where being LGBTQ plus is banned and football is huge in those nations. So um, I do get a lot of hate from overseas, but to see the smiles and the kids that come up to me and just to see the impact I've had and just to see how my platform has changed and how I can use it to help others, especially Instagram, it's just mind blowing. And to see the opportunity that comes off this stuff, for example, the drag race thing was fantastic. But I remember it was an opportunity where I helped one of the drag queens and I don't want to really tell too much. I was like giving us tea. (laughs) It is a little bit tea, but you have to wait till the episode comes out. But using my platform in a way to help anyone become who they are, it doesn't even have to be in the industry of sport. It could be in your own office job. It could be in your work environment. And that's the whole point of why I did a video of coming out. I was the first to come out. So I didn't know what was around the corner, what was to expect. I had to hang up my boots the next day. I didn't know. And I didn't care because at the end of the day, I wanted to be happy. So that's the main thing with everything. You don't need to change who you are for anyone. You just need to be you. So that's the kind of mentality I went. And I couldn't care what someone with a blank profile is saying to me online when I know that I have a kid saying, oh, I helped save their life and I helped yeah. change their life for the better. And they feel like they have a place in the world because of my story. Yeah. Keep sending the hate, baby. It's you got everything. You got, you got all the love you need. And you know what <laughs> exactly. it is? To me, it's because you are so grounded in your values and your sense of purpose and your intention that when you have a bigger why, you can figure out any how. And even if people oh, are throwing negativity really away, you because you know, because you know why you do what you do. And I and I really feel like that's how you know, right? It's it's just anything that's worth doing, you need to feel so passionately about it and so honest about it, so committed to it. Like when you were talking about living authentically, that was so important to you that even if it came at the cost of a football career, even if it came at whatever, living authentically to yourself was more important. And that's why 
even when it's been hard and things have sort of panned out in a way you didn't expect, you just, you keep going because your purpose is that one kid that you save a life, you know, because you've showed them it's okay to be themselves. You know what? As we speak, I just got a hate comment now. So it, it always comes through. We're like, not airing the start. hate comments. Use the number 526. <laughs> Take okay. it somewhere else and get alive. Yeah. But let me tell you, yeah, it's no different to missing a shot in the game, to how the way you do your hair, to how the way you dress, to what you choose to do in your life. Everyone's always going to have something to say. Oh, yeah. So it's just important to remember that. You live it. What's going to make you happy and sleep better at night? You live your life the way you want to live it. Don't be influenced by someone but the way what they say to you. So that's the kind of the way I, the mentality I have when I step out on that field. If I get hate thrown my way, is it acceptable? No, it's not. But this is how I channel it. It's like I miss the goal. Someone's got something something bad to say. I miss a tackle or I miss a challenge or I have a bad game, a bad training session. Someone's always going to say something. Mm. So I treat it like that and then it goes over my head. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that because you know what I think? It's like one thing that I was told was, you know, don't take on the opinions of people where you wouldn't, you know, necessarily even seek it out or, you know, everyone's going to have an opinion. Everyone, And it's what you said. And for listeners who might not, you know, relate to, okay, what is what is it to kick a goal when like a country is watching and relying on you, you know, you know, pull something off in a game. And this is me not being like, a soccer expert trying to articulate this. <laughs> I'm like such a noob. Love it. But I mean like, you know, you don't have to have that career or whatever. It's like in your life you are constantly going to question whether you're disappointing someone else or letting, you know, someone else down or is someone else going to have an opinion. But I feel like what you've just said is such good advice and something that I always say is if you're ever going to betray someone in your life, don't let it be yourself. And I love that you don't Period. do that. And so do you have people close to you? I feel like you've got a very solid, strong mindset. Another bit of advice I once got from like a mental health perspective, especially when you're navigating social media, because I bet there are kids who are going to listen to this who you might not have a massive platform, but kids are growing up in this age where, you know, you've got Instagram, TikTok, this, that, and you can have people like just a lot more access to people than maybe when we were in school and we didn't have that kind of an online space to also navigate. So a really good bit of advice I once got for mental health is when it comes to everyone giving you their opinions, my parents always said, is it, you know, your parents, is it your friends, is it your loved ones or a partner saying this to you? If it's not, why are you putting so much stock in what someone else says? Do you have people close to you where you're like, if it's not coming from these people, I drown it out. Yeah, well, it's kind of like coming out in a public space and to see the explosion it had in Australia and then on the world globally, it does build this thick, thick band-aid of like you. And I, for me, I've been, as I said, the lowest of lows. So a little nasty comment or a little hate comment isn't going to, isn't going to even like rock me. So yeah. I've got tough skin through what I've went through in my childhood but in a, in a space of advice for like younger kids and stuff, like at the end of the day, like half the time, these people aren't even thinking about you for a, like any time during the day. They only want to send that nasty message to you or send something bad to you and then to they get forget. you off your game. And then they forget and they move on. So it's just kind of like it's 
social media is such a like an artificial space where people feel like they they can access people and make people feel better than themselves and it's kind of like you look at me i look at you like if you're doing well i want to bring you down kind of thing so it's it's the way you filter that and you got to have a tight circle around you because there's going to be days where life sucks and yeah. life's not as fun and life's not as cool but they're the people that you can lean on and you can talk to and you can trust and Sometimes, you know, in life, I needed to kick up my bum. When I needed to kick up my bum, I needed to kick up my bum. But sometimes I also needed to pat it on my back. So yeah. it's important to have that tight group and that tight circle of uh, support around you, definitely. I love that. And, and just for anyone to remember, beyond what you see on somebody's social media, you know, at the start of the conversation, you said you'll see people's careers and it looks like they're living this amazing life and this and that and the other, but you never really know what's going on. One thing I've learned in this industry is you really got to keep those people close. And I think for anyone, it's just keep people around you who remind you of your values, who aren't afraid to remind you of who you are, be there for you when you have those rough days and, and everything else is noise. Everything else really is noise. And so for anyone then coming back to talking about living with purpose, because you're someone who has navigated really, really intense terrain. And just to one more question, actually, because I just want to know what your perspective is on this. You talk about how you want to live with purpose and intention, but do you ever feel pressure as the, you know, the first openly gay male footballer in top flight football, do you ever feel pressure to be, you know, the perfect queer advocate or to get things right or to, you know, like what is that kind of pressure like? Because I, I know that in this space people have opinions of what sexuality should be and, and what, you know, if you're gay you should be this way. If you're, you know, in love it should look like this. Everyone's so quick to project their opinions. Do you feel pressure to conform to someone else's idea of what a queer advocate is? Absolutely not. You know, being Josh Cavallo, his authentic self now, and seeing if I listen to what every single person had to say about me, there's always something negative about it. And for me, it's about you channeling the good and the bad. So look, I'm 23. I am a baby still. There's going to be times where I make mistakes. There's going to be times where I do good things as well. And it's the whole part. That's the best thing about life. You know, you make mistakes and you learn from it. And Sometimes I've said stuff on air or I've said some stuff on television and I was like, oh no, I should not have said that or whatever, or I've said something wrong. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a learning process and you're growing and no one's perfect. Everyone's going to make mistakes. And it's just about being like a sponge. This is what I like in life. And I use this tactic in football, right? I'm like a massive sponge and I absorb everything. And then things I don't like, I'm like, okay, bye, 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 <laughs> bye. And I keep the good stuff. So that's the way I go through my journey in life. Yeah. And I can't, I can't tell you that I've done everything right. Cause in life I haven't, I've done yeah. things that haven't been great as well. But the most important thing is I've learned from it and it's made me to become this person I am today where people can feel like they can look up to me and take a little bit of my sponge into their sponge. So, yeah. I love that. And, you know, for anyone who's <laughs> listening, and I bet there are going to be people either from the community or people who are maybe questioning their sexuality and listening, you know what really jumped through when you said that to me? It's that it is okay to make mistakes. It is okay to change your mind. It's okay to want to do something differently. But it's just give yourself a little grace because that's what being human is. And especially in a world where I feel like, 
the desire to cancel someone, that tall poppy syndrome, wanting to cut someone down who's successful. It's like it makes people fearful to speak up or admit when they make mistakes or want to do better because when you mess up you think you need to go into hiding it's like you role model that beautifully and it's something I really believe in too it's that even if you whether it's you're questioning your sexuality you're trying something new with your job you are trying to be more open with your family whatever it is if you don't get it right that's okay making those mistakes is part of figuring it out and it's never too late to step into who you are and I think that's really beautiful and so I think, Joshi, a really beautiful way to end this is for any parents or for any other 11-year-old kids like you when you were at Brighton Soccer Club who are listening <laughs> and they want to know or they're fearful that something about who they are, whether it's their race, their sexuality, where they've lived, you know, how much money they have, if they're fearful that something about themselves is going to compromise the life of their dreams – what is the advice that you have for them? <laughs> Go and get that dream and snatch it. And don't let anyone stop you from that dream. Look, it hasn't been a smooth journey for myself. And people might look at my journey and say, I want to be like Josh Cavallo one day. But let me tell you, I was walking in your shoes one day. So there's a huge journey. And even your family sometimes have something bad to say about your journey. And they don't believe in what you, you're doing or going forward. But at the end of the day, it's you and your core that's got to drive that. If you really want it, you can make anything a reality. Josh Cavallo, I love you. My sibling <laughs> from another parent. I'm so grateful we crossed paths. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to continue growing in this life with you. Yes. In it. So thank you. <laughs> and keep making mistakes and growing and figuring it out. That's all part of it. So thank you so much for listening to the Maria Thetil show. I absolutely loved that chat with Joshi. And if there is somebody that you want me to talk to, or if there's something that you want to hear, don't be afraid to DM me right into my producer, Blake, and tell us what you want. Because as I always say, this show is by me. It's for you. And I'm having a bloody good time doing it. So I cannot wait to hear you next time. I'm Maria Thetil, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. 